welcome to Getting Unstuck. My hope is this podcast helps you get unstuck so you can begin living the life you've always dreamed of. Hey everyone, it's Sharon and welcome back to Getting Unstuck. My co-host today is David Taylor Klaus, and he is an author, a business coach, a leadership coach, and the owner of DTK Coaching, as well as a gold medal rower and a wine collector. And he is also the author of Mindset Mondays, 52 Ways to Rewire Your Thinking and Transform Your Life, which is exactly what I need in my life right now is transformation. Well, let me tell you, I, I wrote that book because a coach of mine challenged me to write the book that I needed to have read. I wish it was my idea. My, honestly, my coach, that's one of the things he challenges folks to do. And by the way, any of your listeners thinking about writing a book, start off with what's the book you needed to read? Oh, I love that. All right, listeners, you heard it here first. So let's, I want to ask you this question. What is sure. mindset? All right, so let's let's get out of the brain science and and you know if you really want to go nerdy, look up Carol Dweck from Stanford. She wrote the seminal work on mindset, the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And here's here's the most accessible version of what this is: a mindset is the lens through which you see the world. Right, and what's important about that is the lens through which you see the world colors the way you collect evidence. Now, you can't stop humans from collecting evidence. That's what we do. We're evidence collecting machines and we're meaning making machines. So something happens, something occurs and we attach meaning to it. Nothing that happens actually has a meaning until we, until we ascribe it to it. So the lens through which we choose that's the important thing to see the world colors everything in the way we experience it. There's a quote that I share in the intro, which really is the entire book in a nutshell. And it's that we do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. I love that. And when we understand that we're, because of that, we're in control of the lens completely, then that means as soon as we choose a different lens, we change our lives. Yes. So it really, and I think part of our mindset comes from our stories, right? From our past. Absolutely. Because that oftentimes will color our now moments. Yeah. So well, and whether it's acculturation or education, it doesn't matter. All of the ways in which we've grown and experienced life up until today color the choices for the lenses that we make. Right. Have you bumped up against clients who have a real difficult time changing their mindset? And really, what, what do you think is the number one or the number one reason why people struggle with changing their mindset? Well, th- there are two. One is psychological and one is neurological. Oh, okay. The, the reasons that people stay stuck. Um, the psychological one is we have a series, we, we all have, un, for most of us, unwritten rules that are running our lives. And for entrepreneurs, you, you hear things a lot like, my God, if I just work longer, work harder, right? Then I'm gonna figure this out, right? It's not if I get help and figure this out or if I have a more balanced life between work and home, if I am happier as a human, I will be better at work. No, it's if I work harder or work longer or, or hustle more, then, then I'll be successful. 
That's just an example of an acculturated unwritten rule that many of us hold. We also hold things like, I'm not smart enough, or I'm not big enough, or I'm not confident enough, or I'm not bold enough. I'm not enough, fill in any other blank. And these are things that we hold on to unconsciously. We very rarely have a conscious awareness of those as much as we do unconscious participation in it. And by not being intentional and paying attention to the thoughts that we're having and the mindsets that we're holding, we end up reporting on our life, talking about what's happened to us instead of creating our life. And so that's the psychological reason that people get stuck. And we could probably do about six hours on that together, <laughs> okay. right? Because what they can't see, you know, the listeners can't see, you know, you nodding and pointing at yourself as we yes. were talking, right? Yes. And I could be pointing at me too. But then there's the neurological one, which is the real bugaboo. And that is our brains are wired for sameness. Right? So Ew. we're trying to create change or transformation and our brain literally is saying, yeah, no, I'm gonna make this hard. And there's a reason why. So on the, each neuron, each cell in the brain, there's a long part, you know, it can be microns long or feet long, right? And each nerve cell has a long thing called an axon. And on it, there's this fatty sheath called myelin. And the more myelin there is on that axon, the faster the electric current goes across that neuron. Well, that's what, that's how the entire brain works. It's just electricity running across neurons. So whatever thought you have or action you've taken or behavior set that you've had before, it's more likely for the brain to want to do that than something different because that neural pathway has fat on it that makes the electricity go faster, go more smoothly. So it likes to go where it's smooth. So if you want to change a thought or change a behavior or change an action, you have to do it repeatedly over three to four weeks so that you can begin to let the, the usual pathway atrophy and a new neural pathway get more of the little fatty deposit on the axon. So you literally, by changing mindsets, by changing routines, by changing behaviors and changing habits, you have to do it repeatedly enough and long enough for your brain to rewire. Wow. You know what? So you're, t you're telling me there's literally a physiological thing happening. And I just thought I didn't have the determination or the willpower. No, we're, we're just impatient as a species, That's true. right? That's also part of our acculturation, but we want it to be now and we want to be good at it right away. And yes. we don't have very much frustration tolerance to get through the, I currently suck at this. We go, I currently suck at this and I'm going to suck forever. And I'm not going to spend the time to get unsucky. Right. So we stop doing it. But that's why, you know, people are looking, I want this massive transformation. Okay. Create a new habit. Do something repeatedly, multiple times throughout the day for, for a month, for let's just say three weeks. Depends on whose research you like better. Neither of them are right. It's either three weeks or four weeks <laughs> of doing something at high frequency over a duration of time is the way to build new neural pathways. There is no switch flip in our brain that says, oh, 
No more that pathway, now new one. So if I, if I decide that I am going to do, for now, I'm, instead of doing A, I'm going to do B, then it is a concerted practice, a daily practice, and yes, after three or four weeks, then the doing that is... as frequently as possible. Yes, it is. It, it is a practice. Building new habits is a practice, and that takes a decision. And this is what gets where it gets fun. And so I'm going to narrate for the listeners. Right. Okay. I'm holding up two pens. One's a blue one. One's a black one. If I to decide where, I mean, you know, if I'm going to use one versus the other, I can make a choice. I choose the blue pen, that means I put the black pen back on my desk. Well, the Latin root for the word decide, the Latin root is decere, which means to cut. So if I'm gonna decide on the blue pen versus the black pen, I'm gonna throw away the black pen. I'm gonna cut out that option. You hear people, motivational speakers talk about burn the boats, there's no plan B. That's making a decision. Not making a choice where you can reverse course but making a decision, cutting out the other options. So when we decide we want to change a behavior, that's the first step. Not choosing to change patterns, deciding. If you actually decide you have a much better shot at repeating it with frequency over a duration, I mean, over a duration of time so that you can create new wiring. I just made a connection to something. That's probably why when I started in AA, they said 90 meetings in 90 days. Yes, ma'am. Exactly. Yeah. Because that repetitive exactly. pattern. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And if an old thinking pattern comes up, lean into your sponsor. One of the other things they teach in, in 12 step is that you're not responsible for your first thought, right. but you are responsible for your second. That's right. And the problem is we need your act on that first thought. The freedom and the grace is in creating changes. Oh, all right. So the first thought is, screw this. I'm tired of this new habit. The second thought can be, oh, what was it that motivated me to make this change? What did I want to see on the other side of this decision? That's why I'm doing it. Right. And whether it's getting sober or taking a new route to work or not responding when your colleague barks, it doesn't matter what the behavior pattern changes connecting to the, starting with the decision, connecting to the motivation, and then engaging in a daily practice. Right. <laughs> Those are the three steps for creating change. Why do people struggle with that? Is it because they just haven't like made the commitment to make the change? Like they know they need to change, but they're like... The brain likes sameness. The brain likes what you did before. So it's the, the, the joke that we use, the, the metaphor joke is the uh, idea of a barn happy horse. And those of you who have ridden, if you take a horse out with a group of you out to wherever you're riding, um, so I'm told, only had this experience once, because <laughs> I've only ridden twice, that when you get out to where you're going and you climb off the horse, as soon as your weight is off the saddle, boom, a barn happy horse will race back to where he's comfortable, which is the barn. Oh, interesting. So your brain is that animal. Your brain is a ginormous barn happy horse that will go back, it will revert to norm. Fingers doing air quotes. And what you've tolerated up until now has become your new norm. So if it's, I think X, every time I'm, I'm about to do a podcast, my throat closes, my head gets fuzzy, and I start to think, oh my God, why am I doing this, right? So 
if you keep feeding that thought by allowing it to continue, your brain is wired for it. It's going to keep shoving the electricity that way. When you say, no, I'm doing this to get people's stories out, people's voice out. I had this conversation with the podcast host. This is not about you. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. it was, and it was, I've got a story to get out and, I'm, and a shift that I want to create in the world. And I'm using other people's stories to do it too. And when he put himself back in that mindset of, yes, this is about creating a shift that I want to see in the world. In order to do that, I need to loosen up my throat. I need to clear my head. I want to be clear and present for this. Yeah. And every time he flips on the mic with that new mindset, it repeats that pattern. And eventually that becomes the default. Right. Do you think the why is important when someone's setting out to change their mindset about something? Yeah, I do. And, and yeah, I love Simon Sinek and the work he's done. Why gets conflated into this big, massive, universal, your personal universal truth. Think of it in terms of what's the motivating force here, right? Yes, that's part of your why. Yes, you can tie it to your why. Yeah. But for folks who look at it and go, oh my God, I don't know what my why is. <laughs> <laughs> Look that must be your... frustrating for some people who don't know. Oh, what it's terribly. Lives. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it's crushing because we're not taught to think about that. That's the reason he's so popular is that it's a shock to people to think, wait a minute, I can have a why I can start from there and orient my entire world and all my decision making based on what that desired future state is that I want to create what my why is fabulous. Nobody's ever said that before. Right. Right. He's been saying it for 19 years and people are still flabbergasted because we're not acculturated to think that way yet. Mm, you're going to change that. So starting with why can be overwhelming. Let's start with what's my why for this action, this change, this decision? What's motivating me to do this? What do I want to see on the other side of it? And, and by the way, motivation comes in two flavors, right? We all love to be inspired. Inspiration is sexy. It's <laughs> juicy. It gets you excited because you're moving towards something. You're compelled. You're drawn forward. Sometimes even running towards something. But you know what? Irritation can be pretty damn powerful. But yet we judge it. You know, irritation is, oh my God, no, no more of that. Right? Most people don't go into AA for inspiration. <laughs> Exactly. Most of them are motivated by, motivated by irritation. And True. when we judge the irritation, we diminish the energy that's there from it to use. It's just as powerful as inspiration. Yeah. Stop judging, get off your high horse and lean in. Right. I love that. Yeah. Have you had a mindset that was really hard for you to change? Oh my God. Yes. Really? I, Can you tell me one? Wrong list. So uh, I'll give you one that's, that's very alive. My, my wife, I mean, this is a woman I've known since I was 11. And we've been married for 29 years, raised three amazing children. And over the last 13 years, my wife has become literally an international parenting expert. Wow. Right? She and her partner have built a company serving folks in over 140 countries right now, bringing a coach approach to parenting. So I'm co-parenting with an international parenting expert. <laughs> gotcha. I have lots of mindsets around that that don't serve. Yes. Right. And I have to remember that 
what's important is the co-parenting, not who's right or who's wrong, not being right, not territoriality, not any of the animalistic saboteur-based narratives in my head. None of that serves when we refocus our attention individually or together on what we want for our children and that we're raising adults, they just happen to be children when we get them, then everything works out fine. And I have to consciously have bring up what my center point is on it, that it's what do I want for these magnificent little humans? And they're 20, 23 and 26, they ain't that little, yeah. right? And we're raising adults, they just happen to be kids when they're in our charge, right? When I come back to those two centering ideas, their mindsets don't have space. So yeah, I have plenty of experiences in my five and a half decades where I've had mindsets that are tenacious and don't serve. Right. Yeah. And you literally wrote the book on it, right? Well, why yeah. do you think I wrote it? <laughs> no, exactly. And that's the thing. It, it's, you know, with heroin, we don't say stop using heroin. It's bad for you because coming off of heroin can be deadly. Right. And that's, <laughs> it can be destructive physiologically going through DTs. It's terrible. Yeah. So we use replacement therapy, replacement therapy. We use um, methadone, right? So that we give them something that we're replacing something that doesn't serve with something that serves better. Now, over time, we also take them off of methadone. But the idea is that your brain doesn't want to stop whatever it is you want it to stop. But you can replace a behavior you don't like, a thinking pattern you don't like, a mindset you don't like, with one that serves. Right. So if you replace something that doesn't serve with something that does, <laughs> you're latching onto something new that replaces something old instead of saying, I'm going to stop doing that. There is probably people who are listening to us who want to change maybe they want to change your behavior. Maybe they have a lot of negative thinking or they're addicted to sugar or they come to, they date the same pattern of men over and over again. What would be your advice for say someone who just wants to maybe change their mindset on the same type of men they date or like, how would you replace that mindset? People in, in repeated dating patterns are repeating something or filling it, tend to be filling in a gap or repeating a pattern they've experienced. Um, and we can get into the metaphysical of, is this epigenetic? Is it genetic? Is it a learned behavior? It doesn't matter. You can figure that out while you're engaging in the change. Oh, first, first thing is don't think that you have to understand where it comes from to start changing it. Figure that out while you're working on it. Paint that, that plane while you're flying it. Yeah, right. It's like you can navel gaze forever. You know, my original degree was in psychology <laughs> and it has a brilliant place. If we wait until we resolve everything psychologically, we're going to be very old and very sad. Gotcha. Right. You have to, this is about understand that as you're moving, but what is it you want to create? And I want to jump up and down here yeah. because decide what that desired future state looks like dare to declare it out loud, things are created in this world twice. Everything we see and experience is created twice. Once inside, once outside in the world. So declare what it is you're trying to create. What's the type of relationship you want? What is the type of partnership you want to be in? What does the ideal partner look like? 
I had a friend who um, in his uh, mid late forties is looking to create a lifelong relationship with someone. And it was suggested to him that he write a love letter to this woman who didn't exist yet. And what was brilliant about it besides the fact that this guy's an amazing writer is that it gave him a chance to declare, to put out into the world what it is that he wanted in a relationship, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is for you, and declare what it is that you want to say, oh, is this relationship giving me that or not? Can it or won't it, right? Does this person align with what it is that I want to create, right? And, and by the way, stop with the, she's got to have this type of body and those color eyes. Ugh, it's not about what's on the surface. Decide what you want from the relationship and for a relationship. Right. Define it from there. Physiognomy is, is gravy. Exactly. I love that. I love that. I have, sometimes I have some clients who come to me who want to start their own business and they're, you know, it's like the framework for the business is all like kind of loosey goosey. And I've often said to them, just write a mission statement. Like, and then go back after two, three days, look at that mission statement. What do you want to remove? What do you want to add? And just, it's almost like an upside down pyramid, right? Let's just start like this and then we'll get it narrow, narrow, narrow to exactly what you want, but get it out to the universe so the universe can find you. I don't want to get all woo woo and, and all that stuff, even though I love talking about that stuff. But I really hear what you're saying is like, let's just like, what are the, the what makes your heart sing, right? Well, and testing that, right? Because it's fascinating how much time we spend in our head trying to figure out what makes our heart sing. And we don't pay any attention to the somatic intelligence, right? To our heart, to our gut, right? There's orders of magnitude, more information coming from our body to our brain than from our brain to our body. We are collecting signals. Our brains are collecting signals from the massive portion of our body all day long. And yet, where do we go when we want to figure something out? We go into our head. Right. No, no, no. That's like walking into a boxing ring with Mike Tyson with one hand tied behind your back. <laughs> it would, well, it wouldn't go well anyway, even with both hands. It would not go well. But that's the idea that you, you're cheating yourself of a majority of your information by only going into your head to figure stuff out. When you figure it out and feel it out and find the mushy together of both of those, mm those are the leaders you're following. Yes. Right. You know, that, what, what you just said made me remember when I read your purpose statement, it said, I am resonant energy that unearths and unleashes the power of the heart. Mm -hmm. That was, and is brilliant because I, I'm a firm believer that everything is energy everything. and that love creates so when I created my business, I knew it was going to be a heart-centered business. And I have actually, I've read your purpose statement a few times since I've met you because it's so powerful to me. Did that, did that just flow out of you one day? Or you're just like, oh, what will my purpose statement be? Well, ju just like everything that's amazing in your life, it happens little by little, then all of a sudden. You just have to do little by little. I, I spent a lot of time trying to dig into what it was that, that moved me. And that's the undercurrent for my, my parenting, my partnering, my coaching. It's the undercurrent of every, my friending. It's, it's everything that I do comes from that. 
And when I'm off target, when I'm off mission, off purpose, mm -hmm. then it feels wonky. And that's, that's important. And I'm better at being in alignment with it more of the time when I'm willing to pay attention to what my body is telling me as well as what my head is telling me. Yeah, your body will never lie to you. Ever. Well, my friend Alexis Arton says, you know, you can listen when the universe whispers in your ear, or you can wait till the universe hits you in the head with a baseball bat. It's your call. <laughs> it's like, wow. I've had the baseball true. bat. That route is not fun. In our society, we have something I refer to unceremoniously as suffer porn. Oh. <laughs> like, even when it's not hard, we'll make it hard. And then we'll talk about how hard it was. And then, I mean, that has people, I'm serious, coaches talking about how do I talk about my business? I haven't suffered like that person or that person or that person. And you watch Goldcast. It is. It's it's suffer porn. Everybody has had the had it worse than the next person, and look how they've turned it around. It's magnificent, and it's leaving people believing that they have to go through the dark night of the soul in order to get to the other side. Not everybody has to suffer. the The earlier that you connect to what's important to you, and the earlier you surrender to creating that in your world, the less suffering. Yes, I... and yet. We hammer that. Even when it's easy, we'll make it hard because, oh, the fiercer the dragon, the sweeter the victory. Yes. Yeah. No. The fiercer the dragon, the more you get the crap beat out of you. It doesn't have to be hard to be good. And exactly. Good. Exactly. And I have to say, the less I pursue for my business, the more I surrender it and know that I'm doing spirit's work, God's work, and the more I'm more open and expansive the busier my business gets. When I was trying so hard to accumulate clients and racking my brain and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I can go on with that. The, I was getting the opposite result. Yep. Every and time. Now, yeah. And now I come in every <laughs> single morning. It's part of what you were talking about at the earlier part of this podcast. Every morning I have the same, I'll, I call it a, a daily ritual, but it's the same ritual every morning where I stretch my body, I pray and I meditate. And I energetically thank all of my clients. I just send out waves of appreciation for all of them coming. And I'll tell you, my phone keeps blowing up with more clients. And I think it's that, mm -hmm. and I've been doing that for at least a year and a half, almost two years now. And it's a mm -hmm. formula that works. I don't have to, hit, I don't have to grind anymore. <laughs> Very lucky that way. So I'm going to challenge you to write about that and post about that and share that. Because it's not about, you know, thumping your chest, look what I did. It's about, look, this is what I'm able to create by doing this. And look how simple, look how easy it is. People have this stain around the word easy. Oh, if it's easy, it's, it's not good. It's not right. right. No, no. Yeah. You, can, you can be successful and have tons of ease along the way. There's, you're not violating a rule. Right, right. Oh, I love that. I think that's actually a very, a great way to end and very uplifting that life should be easy and life should be joyful. And I know you are on a, um, you're a very busy man. And so I appreciate your time here on the podcast. It's been so great getting to know you. I feel like I have a lifelong friend now. You're just, you're, e talk about ease and flow. You are it. So much more to come. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you being yeah. here. My pleasure. Thanks for letting me come play. You bet.